What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hy-Vee and Toyson Ford. Dan Casper here with you, as always, and we got a loaded episode of the podcast coming at you. We're going to talk with former Badger offensive lineman, cabin coffee owner Joe Grabowski, get his thoughts on the Badger loss to LSU, and national championship between Michigan and Washington. Also, we're going to chat with Wisconsin Conservation Warden, Mr. Jake Bolks, answering your questions. Don't forget, you can send us some questions, and we'll ask the DNR Warden for you. So he'll be joining us, but it is still Bears Week, so we uh, continue our chats, talking a little bit about uh, Packers versus Bears ahead of their game on Sunday. And a lot of the, the chat out there has been, Justin Fields, his Packers defense going up against Justin Fields, and can Joe Barry put together a game plan to, you know, maybe limit Justin Fields and not allow him maybe to to run and scramble all over the defense? But is it the Bears' defense that we should maybe be a little bit more focused on? Should it be the Bears' defense over here? I think we would all agree that this is going to these both these teams are different than when we first saw them in Week One. Bears are better, playing better. Green Bay, offensively, maybe a little bit more consistent. Defensively, still kind of. I think you know the, the best way to describe it is maybe kind of a shoulder shrug here. I, I don't know, but. When you look at what the Bears' defense has done in the last month or so, numbers-wise, they've been one of the best in the league. And remember at trade deadline, they got you know Marquez Sweats, another pass rusher on, on the edge over there too. But since week 11, just I'm going to throw out some numbers here in terms of Packers' offense and compare it to uh, the Bears' defense here. So Aaron Jones the last couple weeks – you know, him being on the field, over 100 yards rushing. We've noticed a difference with, with Aaron Jones. Looks like he's got some fresh legs. I know he's dealing with a little bit of a, a knee injury and such, but the last couple of weeks, over 100 yards rushing. However, Chicago, number one in the NFL in run defense with 84 yards allowed per game. And they're also number four with 3.72 yards per carry. Going to be going up against a little bit of a tougher run defense with uh, you know Aaron Jones in this Packers running game. Some other numbers to throw out. Jordan Love, since week 11, is number two in the NFL with a 109.9 passer rating, but Chicago is number one with an opponent passer rating of 61.5. All right. Some other numbers. Bears haven't allowed more than 20 points in any of their last five games. Their lone loss was a 20-17 game against Cleveland, which that Chicago defense also had three interceptions, pick six on there too. So over those five games, Chicago is number one in points allowed, 15.2. Opponents passer rating, 60.3. Interceptions, takeaways, and fourth down percentage, just at 20%. Number six in completion percentage, which, remember, which was kind of a big number for, for Jordan Love at the beginning of the year, trying to get that up. But number six in completion percentage allowed, 59. Okay, Total defense, number seven. 
Now, those are great numbers, right? Those are those are some impressive numbers defensively. Packers fans would take that for, for their defense any day of the week, eight times uh, out of the week. And and not to be, yeah, but type of person, but I think it's worth noting, do you look at who the Bears have faced in the last few weeks? Well, let's take a look at it. So this past week, Chicago beat up on Atlanta. An Atlanta team that beat Green Bay in week two. But Chicago, at home, Dropping 37 points on Atlanta, 37-17. In that game, Taylor Heineke, 10-29, 163, one touchdown, three interceptions. Justin Fields was solid, 20-32, 268, one touchdown. Herbert running the ball, 18 carries, 124. DJ Moore dominating in the secondary, nine catches for a buck 59. Bears dominated the Falcons this past week. Uh, then you go against Arizona. Again, at home for, for Chicago, 27-16 to victory. However, Kyler Murray wasn't awful. He was 24-38 of 38 for 230 yards and two touchdowns. The only problem is, is that when you look at that game, and again, I'm not trying to make excuses or anything, but I think you've got to look at this. When you when you look at this, the, the leading receiver for... For, for for Arizona in that game was also the running back, James Conner. Five targets, five catches, 67 yards. Conner was also the leading rusher, 12 carries for 45 yards. Justin Fields, meanwhile, in this game, 15 of 27, a buck 70, touchdown, and a pick. But, most important thing, Bears won that game. 27-16. Then we go to the Browns. Browns team that, you know, they're in the postseason. Great defense over there. Bears uh, losing that game just barely, though. 20-17, to as we mentioned. They had a pick six in there. But they forced Joe Flacco to throw three picks. He also had a couple touchdowns and threw for 374 yards. But they stopped that running game. Ford was their leading rusher. Eight carries for just 20 yards. Mari Cooper, though, Four catches for a buck oh nine. However, that Browns defense was also making things tough on this offense. Justin Fields, one touchdown, two interceptions, nineteen of forty passing. Johnson was early in rusher for just thirty six yards, and they shut down DJ Moore for fifty two. But the Browns have a pretty darn good defense over there. Then you look at Lions when they beat the Lions. Again, Bears were at home, twenty eight to thirteen, defeating the Lions. Fields 233 or 223 yards passing, one touchdown. Jared Goff in that game, buck 61 touchdown, two picks. Go to the Minnesota game. It was in Minnesota. Bears 12 to 10. Remember that game? It's 12 to 10. Fields 27 of 37 for 217. Joshua Dobbs though, one touchdown, four picks. So when we look at these games, the the thing to me that a common thing that kind of stands out in, in a lot of these games is turnovers. Is the turnovers. You know, in these wins for, for, for the Bears, defense, you know, and just kind of look at that, but a lot of the stuff in here for, for me, what, what kind of stands out is, is the turnovers. 
and how big of a factor they were in potentially deciding some of these games. And we went through the numbers. The Bears' defense, you know, they're right now they're hot and getting the ball and winning the turnover battle on the defensive side here. So to me, when I when I look at a lot of the stuff, Jordan Love, who has been great at taking care of the football, you know, last few weeks, fewest interceptions thrown, one, right, one. We went through that yesterday. So I feel like a big deciding factor, if, if you want to, when I look at this Bears defense, they're an opportunistic defense. They're a defense that has been taking the ball away, and you're going up against Jordan Love, who has been really taking care of the football pretty darn good, one of the best in the league lately. That, to me, is going to be the biggest difference in this game is who is going to win the turnover battle. If Green Bay can force turnovers, if that Green Bay defense can force some turnovers against the Chicago Bears offense, against Fields, and they can limit their own turnovers, Green Bay's got this, in my opinion. Where this Bears defense has been really good is turning the ball over, but you look at some of the quarterbacks that they've gone up against. Taylor Heineke. Okay. Joshua Dobbs threw four picks. Even Flacco, you know, threw three picks. Jared Goff threw two picks. We know Jared Goff can be turnover prone. We saw it in Thanksgiving. You know, in in, in one of these wins, and even though the 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 win that the Lions had over the Bears Goff threw three picks. The lone quarterback that didn't really throw or didn't turn the ball over, didn't throw any picks, was Kyler Murray. He didn't even have any wide receivers to throw the ball to. So when I see this, when I look at this, yes, this Bears defense has been playing really well as of late. Stopping the run. Forcing turnovers. But if Green Bay, if Jordan Love... I think it's going to be hard to to run the football on them. But if he can take care of the football and he doesn't turn that ball over, I think the offense can put up enough points to win this game. And I think it's going to be crucial, too, for for the Packers to jump out to an early lead and put some of that pressure on that Bears offense and kind of maybe put some of that pressure on on Justin Fields' shoulders, if you will. So, is it the competition that the Bears went up against when you look at this hot defense, when you look at you know some of the numbers that, that they put up? You can maybe make that case. I mean, we could throw in the Panthers on here too. If, if we want, Bryce Young was 21 of 38. Buck 85, Fields didn't play in that game. Bears won 16-13. Again, that was another home game for, for, for Chicago. I mean, when you look at their, their home and away record right now, I mean, Bears have been playing a lot better, and it's been at home. Yeah, a lot of their losses coming on the road this year. If we don't, their, their home losses this year was Green Bay in Week 1, Denver in Week 4 when they were going through that awful stretch, then Minnesota. But it looks like since then, yeah, they've they've won all their games at home. So this one will be on the road here, which Chicago has struggled with a little bit. So I think if as long as Green Bay takes care of the football, long as Jordan Love doesn't throw a pick, long as they don't have stupid turnovers, don't give this opportunistic defense 
a chance to make a play on the ball or, or give the offense extra possessions, Green Bay, I think, will be okay. I think they'll be okay. I think it'll be a low, lower scoring game. You know, I don't know if Green Bay is going to put up over 30 points like they did against Minnesota. I could see something maybe like a 24 or 20, something like that type of game. But I feel like it's going to be important, too, that, that Green Bay jumps out to to a lead and, and kind of has that that advantage right away. And, and I know Minnesota was kind of the not the norm there because Green Bay got the ball and you know, they they weren't able to do like what they did against the Chiefs, you know, taking the ball and scoring right away. But as long as Green Bay's offense and, and that's Matt LaFleur calling plays and that's and that's Jordan Love too, kind of being in rhythm and getting hot. As long as they kinda of stay one step ahead. And I thought that's what Green Bay did against Minnesota this past week. They were one step ahead of Brian Flores, it seemed like, in that defense. They were one step ahead against Steve Spagnolia and, and the Chiefs defense. They were one step ahead against Detroit's defense on, on Thanksgiving. It just felt like they were a little bit ahead. And every time, you know, Detroit tried to do something, Green Bay was just a little bit ahead of them in terms of offense going up against those defenses. And I think if Green Bay can do that against Chicago, they'll be in good shape. Isn't it wild, though? Like, you want a, you want a crazy stat, and... You can say I'm picking on, you know, Bears quarterbacks and, and 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 all that. But this is just wild to me. When I when I saw this the other day. Jordan Love. Jordan Love with his statistics this year. He's got 30 touchdown passes. He's got over 3800 passing yards. Do you know how many quarterbacks in Bears history have thrown for 30 touchdown passes in a season? Not zero. And loves passing yards would rank number one in Bears history too. Jordan loves this is according to, to Billy Huber. Jordan loves touchdown to interception ratio would be second best in Bears history. The only one better was actually Mitchell Trubisky. Or excuse me, is, is second best, and only Mitchell Trubisky posted a, a passer rating better than Loves. 93.8. And that was the one year that uh, the Bears went to the postseason under Mitchell Trubisky. Think about that. The most passing yards in, in Bears quarterback history. I would have thought it would have been Jay Cutler. I thought it would have been one of those years with, with Jay Cutler when they had Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, Martellus Bennett, and even Matt Forte catching passes out of the backfield. I thought it would have been one of those seasons. No. I would have thought they had, Cutler would have had 30-some touchdown passes. Because I still remember that those teams and thinking, man, those are some big receivers. How are the Packers corners going to slow those guys down? Martellus Bennett, big tight end. Matt Forte was an all-around back that could do it, catching passes, running the football. No, Eric Kramer has the most passing yards in a season in Bears history in 1995. 3,838. Then it's Cutler the next three. 09, 15, 10, and then Trubisky in 18. 3,223. Uh, the most passing touchdowns in a season, too. Kramer, 29. 
95. I just, that blew my mind away. That uh, best touchdown interception ratio, too, by the way, Eric Kramer, 29 and 10 and 95, love 30 and 11. So barely, just barely. That's just like, wow. Think about that. Unreal. I When I saw that the other day, I could not believe it. Winter is here in the Chippewa Valley, which means it's even more important to make sure you have a good vehicle to hit the winter roads of Wisconsin. Need that vehicle for this winter season? Look no further than Toyson Ford in Chippewa Falls. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV from their new or used inventory, Toyson Ford has the vehicle you're looking for. Making sure you have a good, proper working vehicle is incredibly important this winter season, and Toyson Ford knows that. Just give them a visit today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard and visit ToysonFord.com. Let's catch up with our DNR warden buddy, Mr. Jake Bolks, right now. Anybody still with uh, with boats out on the water or something like that with a lot of the open water still out there? I have seen some videos, and I have some buddies that went out in open water while I fished around here and stuff. So it's uh, there's still people doing it, but I think we're finally getting cold enough where at least we're not losing ice. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not making it fast, but it's not uh, it's not melting, at least. Right, exactly. Uh, I want to start it off with uh, with a question we had from a, from a texter this morning. Speaking of uh, yeah. doing some fishing, he says, uh, when fishing the, uh, or he or she, when fishing the Mississippi River, do I need to have a hard copy of my fishing license, or can I use my conservation card? So, it's a great question, and you have to have the hard copy, like the paper copy. And the whole reason for that is the Minnesota wardens can check fishermen on either side of the river, and they don't have our law enforcement Go Wild app that can scan those conservation cards or your driver's license. So when you hand them a card, you might as well be handing them, you know, your library card from Eau Claire or something like that because it doesn't really mean anything to them. Um, so you have to have that hard copy paper license so the Minnesota wardens can see it. And as a Wisconsin resident, you have to have a Wisconsin fishing license when fishing on the river. It's kind of a weird law, but even if you're fishing on the Minnesota side of the river and you have a non-resident Minnesota fishing license, legally you're still supposed to have your Wisconsin license, and therefore you got to have that hard copy. Gotcha. I'm assuming, would it be similar uh, than like for somebody from Minnesota fishing the, the Mississippi River? Yep, yep, it's kind of the same way on the other side. A Minnesota resident has to have a Minnesota fishing license, and they got to have the hard copy because we don't have access to their systems or anything like that. Okay. So in order to make it easy for any warden, including a federal warden, because there's a lot of federal wardens um, because of the national lands down there, properties, um, they are, you know the easiest, simplest way to do it is just paper copy for everyone. Now, I don't, and I, don't, I will say... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I will say, you know, they're pretty, Minnesota's pretty pretty strict on it. I don't know if you'll receive a citation or not, but I do know they're pretty strict on having that hard copy because I've seen it firsthand. So I don't. I know this isn't really close to us, but would that be, I don't, and I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, would that be similar to, like, say, somebody fishing in Lake Michigan or, or something like that? Yep, yep. Okay. So um, I think it even says it on the fishing license, but it's, so that law, the hard copy is any boundary water of the state of Wisconsin. So 
any water where it butts up to another state or, you know, have the potential for any agency to check you. So Mississippi River, the Menominee River up in Michigan, the Great Lakes, and then, like, if there's any lakes that dump down into Illinois or Iowa or anything like that, the St. Croix River part of it. So all those boundary waters or outlying waters, you got to have that hard copy. Interesting. Good good nugget right there. So good question. Thank you for that, uh, uh, for whoever uh, texted that one in. Yeah, and it's definitely, it might be an inconvenience. Maybe it's a reason to stop and get a coffee or some new lures, but it's definitely one where you want to stop at a fleet farm or a gas station, have them reprinted if you're going to go down to the Mississippi or this or that. Because, again, you know, they're pretty, if you hand them that go wild card and plead ignorance, you know, depending on the day, you know, they might not be too happy with that. Nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, it might be a little bit of an inconvenience, but it'll save you a lot of money out of your pocketbook too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, I know we we still got so, some trapping going on, right, Jake? I think at the end of the month that I see Bobcat uh, period T is over or period two is over with, but uh, still in the middle of February we still got is it fox and, and coyote and and, and yep, raccoon and all yep. that. Yeah, so you got your first season Bobcat going on. Um, Fisher for both seasons this year ends uh, January seventh, I believe. Usually Fisher ends. They both end on the same date in, what is it, also fourth today, so in a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobcat and then Bobcat, the second season, or the more like the quote-unquote winter season starts here. You know, in the later, you got beavers, you got otters, you got fox and this. So you have a lot of opportunity. Just really make sure you read those trapping regs and just find out whatever species you're trapping that you end on the correct date. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we still got, uh, for. I know we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, but with that extended archery season, too, for, for some uh, counties out there, that still goes to the to the end of the month. End of the month, yeah, pretty crazy. You can, you can archery hunt deer from mid-September all the way to basically February these days. But, yeah, if you're in a, in a county that had a um, bonus holiday hunt and chose, it's not automatic, but if they chose to have the extended archery season, then you get to go. Um, longer. Not every county, um, like Trempolo, for example, they chose to have the holiday hunt, but they did not extend the archery season. Okay. So you just want to make sure which county you're hunting in and if it's still open. So Jake, just kind of on a, like a, I guess, uh, on a, on a personal level here too, with, you know, the, the warmer winter and that, and not a lot of frozen lakes, what's it been like for, for you? Because I mean, I, I got to imagine a normal year you're, you're on the ice and you're, checking ice fishermen and all that what's it been like for for you with this warmer weather uh has it been more open water fishing that you've been checking out or what's it been like these last few weeks it's been a little bit different like like you're saying um you know you're not targeting those ice fishermen that we typically would this time of year because that's like the high use you know at this time of year so you're kind of just spreading out the love a little bit there are a few ice fishermen daring you know here and there um, so I know some of my team is, is checking different guys. Um, you know, there's some ATVs still riding around. Most of the trails are closed, but people are still riding on the routes and stuff, especially if you got a you know, insulated UTV. Um, but then a lot of time what we do after the winter is do some deer follow-up in kind of the springtime with other complaints that came in or information we gathered throughout the winter. 
But to be honest, there's a lot of guys that are kind of just jumping ahead and taking care of that late deer season follow-up now because there's not a lot of ice fishermen or not a lot of stone billers out. Right. So when you say the the late deer season follow up, is that you you know just like the herd size or, or what what's what's kind of that all about? So there's a we can't get to like all of the complaints we get and all of the information and all of the follow ups we want to during the gun deer season. It's just mm-hmm. too busy. You know everybody's out and about. So if we if we want to talk to someone about you know maybe something they did illegally or something we we had already documented or um, just trying to track something down to make sure that everything was legal and good to go. Sometimes we wait a few months to finish up those because they're not really time sensitive anymore. And then we hit the time sensitive stuff like ice fishing and OWIs on snowmobiles and, and stuff like that. But because it's so warm and there's not a lot of people out, you know, there's some guys that are doing those follow ups earlier in the, in the winter. Mm-hmm. I got to imagine as soon as it does get a lot colder and, and those waters start to freeze up, it's almost going to be a oh, rush yeah. to, to, to those lakes, I have to imagine. I I would think that there's going to be plenty of people dumping out on those first weekends when the ice is thick enough, and everyone's kind of looking around, and you see those people out there in the middle of the lake, and then all of a sudden it's like floodgates. Yeah. At least that's what I would think. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm excited to get out. Don't get me wrong. Like, right. I got a little little boy now who's into ice or tip-up fishing or wants to, so I'm excited to get him out and put some tip-ups up and just drag some fish through the holes for him. Now, assuming that the season, you know, or I shouldn't say the season, but assuming that, you know, in these next couple weeks or few weeks, it'll get a little bit more frozen. Is there any any restrictions or any, you know, guidelines that, that people should know before before heading out there? You know, we're, we're through most of the season closures um, for, like, musky and different game fish like that because those are usually December-ish. This is usually the time of the year where, you know, you're pounding the panfish or throwing up tip-ups. Um, so there's usually nothing too much. There is, um, if you're a trout fisherman, there, we have an early catch-and-release trout fishing season that usually starts around the beginning of January. So we might see that coming up or you have that opportunity. So you're going to want to look in the trout rigs to see what's open. It's us- It's just the streams and rivers. Like a lot of the lakes, like trout lakes and different things, are still closed. Um, I'm not going to lie. The trout race can be a little confusing sometimes, <laughs> or there can be a lot of them. Maybe confusing is the right word, but there can be a lot of them on what you can do, what you can't do, what's open, what's not open. So in those ones, you definitely want to read the rigs before you just go to your random trout fishing hole and, and start fishing. Just make sure that specific water bodies open this time of year Mm -hmm. but i do know it's going to be catch and release on those areas gotcha he's jake bokes conservation warden uh for our area for the state of wisconsin appreciate uh, the time as always and uh thanks for asking or answering everybody's questions out there buddy and uh, if you do get out on the on the ice anytime soon if it does freeze up here quick be safe out there okay bud thanks yeah nope i definitely will especially with my kiddo but yeah, I'm excited. I know everyone else is excited, waiting uh, mm-hmm. just to get out there and, and change it up a little bit from the deer season and stuff. So appreciate you having me on. It's always a good time. Absolutely, buddy. We'll chat with you again soon, okay? Sounds good. See ya. Big thanks, Jake, for joining us. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk with Joe Grabowski, former Badger offensive lineman, owner of Cabin Coffee, get his thoughts on the Badgers' loss in the bowl game and the national championship. 
Prepare for the holidays with your local holiday headquarters, Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Whether you're looking to prepare for a big holiday feast or looking to grab some party platters, Hy-Vee in Eau Claire has everything you need to make your holiday get-togethers extra special this year. And remember, Hy-Vee in Eau Claire is your headquarters for all of your catering needs for those work Christmas parties. From a wide selection in their meat department, bakery goods as far as the eye can see, and a massive wine and spirits department, Hy-Vee has something for everyone. Plus, get some Christmas shopping done with their new toy aisles and sports shop. Get ready for the holidays with Hy-Vee. Let's catch up with our good buddy, conservation warden for the state of Wisconsin, Mr. Jake Bolks. Anybody still with uh, with boats out on the water or something like that with a lot of the open water still out there? I have seen some videos and I have some buddies that went out in open water while I fished around here and stuff. So it's uh, there's still people doing it, but I think we're finally getting cold enough for at least we're not losing ice. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not making it fast, but it's not uh, it's not melting, at least. Right, exactly. Uh, I want to start it off with uh, with a question we had from a, from a texter this morning. Speaking of uh, yeah. doing some fishing, he says, uh, when fishing the, uh, or he or she, when fishing the Mississippi River, do I need to have a hard copy of my fishing license, or can I use my conservation card? So, it's a great question, and you have to have the hard copy, like the paper copy. And the whole reason for that is the Minnesota wardens can check fishermen on either side of the river, and they don't have our law enforcement Go Wild app that can scan those conservation cards or your driver's license. So when you hand them a card, you might as well be handing them, you know, your library card from Eau Claire or something like that because it, it doesn't really mean anything to them. Um, so you have to have that hard copy paper license so the minnesota wardens can see it and as a wisconsin resident you have to have a wisconsin fishing license when fishing on the river it's kind of a weird law but even if you're fishing on the minnesota side of the river and you have a non-resident minnesota fishing license legally you're still supposed to have your wisconsin license and therefore you got to have that hard copy gotcha i'm assuming would it be some uh than like for somebody from minnesota fishing the, the mississippi river Yep, yep. It's kind of the same way on the other side. A Minnesota resident has to have a Minnesota fishing license, and they got to have the hard copy because we don't have access to their systems or anything like that. Okay. So in order to make it easy for any warden, including a federal warden, because there's a lot of federal wardens um, because of the national lands down there, properties, um, they are, you know the easiest, simplest way to do it is just paper copy for everyone. Now, I don't, and I, don't, I will say... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I will say, you know, they're pretty, Minnesota's pretty, pretty strict on it. I don't know if you'll receive a citation or not, but I do know they're pretty strict on having that hard copy because I've seen it firsthand. So I don't, I know this isn't really close to us, but would that be, I don't, and I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, would that be similar to like, say somebody fishing in Lake Michigan or, or something like that? Yep. Yep. Okay. So, um, I think it even says it on the fishing license, but it's, so that law, the hard copy is any boundary water of the state of Wisconsin. So any water where it butts up to another state or, you know, have the potential for any agency to check you. So Mississippi River, the Menominee River up in Michigan, the Great Lakes, and then, like, if there's any lakes that dump down into Illinois or Iowa or anything like that, the St. Croix River part of it. So. All those boundary waters or outlying waters, you got to have that hard copy. 
Interesting. Good good nugget right there. So good question. Thank you for that. Uh, uh, for whoever uh, texted that one in. It, yeah, and it's definitely, it might be an inconvenience. Maybe it's a reason to stop and get a coffee or some new lures, but it's definitely one where you want to stop at a fleet farm or a gas station, have them reprinted if you're going to go down to the Mississippi or this or that. Because, again, you know, they're pretty, if you hand them that go-wild card and plead ignorance, you know, depending on the day, you know, they might not be too happy with that. Nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, it might be a little bit of an inconvenience, but it'll save you a lot of money out of your pocketbook too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, I know we we still got so, some trapping going on, right, Jake? I think at the end of the month that I see Bobcat uh, period T is over or period two is over with, but uh, still in the middle of February we still got is it fox and, and coyote and and, and yep, raccoon and all yep. that. Yeah, so you got your first season Bobcat going on. Um, Fisher for both seasons this year ends uh, January seventh, I believe. Usually Fisher ends. They both end on the same date and what is it? Oh, it's the fourth today. So in a few days, mm-hmm. um, Bobcat and then Bobcat, the second season or the went more like the quote unquote winter season starts here, you know, in the later, you got beavers, you got otters, you got fox and this. So you have a lot of opportunity. Just really make sure you read those trapping regs and just find out whatever species you're trapping that you end on the correct date. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we still got uh, for I know we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, but with that extended archery season too for for some uh, counties out there, that still goes to the to the end of the month. End of the month, yeah, pretty crazy. You can you can archery hunt deer from mid September all the way to basically February these days. But yeah, if you're in a in a county that had a um, bonus holiday hunt and chose, it's not automatic, but if they chose to have the extended archery season, then you get a go. Um, longer. Not every county, um, like Trempolo, for example, they chose to have the holiday hunt, but they did not extend the archery season. Okay. So you just want to make sure which county you're hunting in and if it's still open. So Jake, just kind of on a, like a, I guess, uh, on a, on a personal level here too, with, you know, the, the warmer winter and that, and not a lot of frozen lakes, what's it been like for, for you? Because I mean, I, I got to imagine a normal year you're, you're on the ice and you're, checking ice fishermen and all that what's it been like for for you with this warmer weather uh has it been more open water fishing that you've been checking out or what's it been like these last few weeks it's been a little bit different like like you're saying um you know you're not targeting those ice fishermen that we typically would this time of year because that's like the high use you know at this time of year so you're kind of just spreading out the love a little bit there are a few ice fishermen daring you know here and there um, so I know some of my team is, is checking different guys. Um, you know, there's some ATVs still riding around. Most of the trails are closed, but people are still riding on the routes and stuff, especially if you got a, you know, insulated UTV. Um, but then a lot of time what we do after the winter is do some deer follow-up in kind of the springtime with other complaints that came in or information we gathered throughout the winter. But to be honest, there's a lot of guys that are kind of just jumping ahead and taking care of that late deer season follow-up now because there's not a lot of ice fishermen or not a lot of snowmobilers out. Right. So when you say the the late deer season follow-up, is that you you know just like the herd size or what what's what's kind of that all about? So 
there's a we can't get to like all of the complaints we get and all of the information and all of the follow-ups we want to during the gunder season it's just mm-hmm. too busy you know everybody's out and about so if we if we want to talk with someone about you know maybe something they did illegally or something we we had already documented or um just trying to track something down to make sure everything was legal and good to go Sometimes we wait a few months to finish up those because they're not really time-sensitive anymore. And then we hit the time-sensitive stuff like ice fishing and OWIs on snowmobiles and, and stuff like that. But because it's so warm and there's not a lot of people out, you know, there's some guys that are doing those follow-ups earlier in the in the winter. Mm-hmm. i got to imagine as soon as it does get a lot colder and, and those waters start to freeze up, it's almost going to be oh, a yeah. rush to, to, to those lakes, I have to imagine. I I would think that there's going to be plenty of people dumping out on those first weekends when the ice is thick enough, and everyone's kind of looking around, and you see those people out there in the middle of the lake, and then all of a sudden it's like floodgates. Yeah. At least that's what I would think. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm excited to get out. Don't get me wrong. Like, right. I got a little little boy now who's into ice or tip up fishing or wants to, so I'm excited to get him out and put some tip ups up and just drag some fish through the holes for him now assuming that the season you know or i shouldn't say the season but assuming that you know in these next couple weeks or few weeks it'll get a little bit more frozen is there any any restrictions or any you know guidelines that that people should know before before heading out there you know we're we're through most of the season closures um for like musky and different game fish like that those are usually december-ish this is usually t- the time of the year where, you know, you're pounding the panfish or throwing up tip-ups. Um, so there's usually nothing too much. There is, um, if you're a trout fisherman, there, we have an early catch-and-release trout fishing season that usually starts around the beginning of January. So we might see that coming up or you have that opportunity. So you're going to want to look in the trout rigs to see what's open. It's usually, it's just the streams and rivers, like a lot of the lakes, like trout lakes and different things are still closed. Um, I'm not going to lie, the trout race can be a little confusing sometimes, <laughs> or there can be a lot of them. Maybe confusing is the right word, but there can be a lot of them on what you can do, what you can't do, what's open, what's not open. So in those ones, you definitely want to read the rigs before you just go to your random trout fishing hole and, and start fishing, just make sure that specific water bodies open this time of year mm-hmm. but i do know it's going to be catch and release on those areas gotcha he's jake Bokes, conservation warden uh, for our area for the state of wisconsin appreciate uh, the time as always and uh thanks for asking yeah. or answering everybody's questions out there buddy and uh, if you do get out on the on the ice anytime soon if it does freeze up here quick be safe out there okay bud thanks yeah nope i definitely will especially with my kiddo but yeah, I'm excited. I know everyone else is excited, waiting uh, mm-hmm. just to get out there and, and change it up a little bit from the deer season and stuff. So appreciate you having me on. It's always a good time. Absolutely, buddy. We'll chat with you again soon, okay? Sounds good. See ya. You got it. There you go. Jake Bokes, Conservation Warden, again, for our Thursday Outdoor Tidbits. Let's take a quick break, and coming up next, we're going to talk with Joe Grabowski, former Badger offensive lineman, owner of Cabin Coffee, his thoughts on the Badger loss to LSU in their bowl game. That's coming up after these quick words.